0: Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the Spirit of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Our congregation is often reminded that by that preachers of Holy Communion, we don't get to pick our own texts from the Bible. We are preachers of the lectionary, a calendar of readings that takes us through much of the Bible through the course of three years, and the readings are assigned by an international interdenominational committee, and I often question their wisdom. Um, But our our congregation is often reminded that preachers don't pick their own texts at Holy Communion uh, because our priest associate, Mark, uh, seminarians, and sometimes even guest preachers like to complain, and complain about their assignments. Mike gives away all the hard ones, they say. (laughs) You'll notice I have not mentioned Lori yet. Uh, So far, I can't remember Lori complaining about one of her assignments, good on you. Uh, But for all the other preachers, let today's records show I don't duck the difficult texts. Not always. As a family with a new child in our home, whoever comes to me and does not hate father, spouse, and child, that was rough to read. As the rector of a church about to start renovations, Jesus taunt, here is the person who began construction but couldn't complete it. (laughs) Yeah, those words are a little bit terrifying. So let me assure you and reassure myself, our vestry has counted the costs again and again. Uh, We are being good stewards of your good gifts. Your treasurer has set aside a contingency fund. We're going to finish this construction still for my sake, say your prayers. This is a tough gospel, but I need to lay those personally difficult pieces aside. The stakes are higher than my new family dynamics, and the stakes of this gospel are higher than our wonderful buildings. Jesus today sums up the teaching in one challenging line, hatred of family, warnings about costs, demands to give up everything, they all turn on this one phrase. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Difficult words. As the Jesuit priest of blessed memory Daniel Berrigan once rephrased, if you want to follow Jesus, you better look good on wood. I want to lay something at your feet, Episcopalians, I think we're uncomfortable with this particular teaching. And I think we're uncomfortable with it because I think we are weak when it comes to the theology of the cross. Generally, writ large, our denomination, heck, most of the denominations like ours, progressive Presbyterians, progressive Lutherans, and Methodists, and the United Church of Christ, the UCC, we're pretty weak on the cross. We avoid it. We don't like these words in part because we don't talk enough about the cross. And not talking enough about the cross has consequences. Bad theology abounds in our so-called Christian nation. If we don't have a good theology of the cross, all we have is the awful default version I want to spend most of the sermon on one particularly bad theological understanding of the cross. It's a terrible American colloquialism. that surrounds this particular saying of Jesus. It goes like this, that's just my cross to bear. You heard those words? Have you said them? That's just my cross to bear? I chose the word terrible for this colloquialism because it's a way of spiritualizing and supposedly justifying awful situations. We often hear that phrase attached to a painful diagnosis or an intractable struggle with mental illness. That's my cross to bear. I have to tell you, this is bad theology. It's not what the cross is about because it comes with a sense that we carry this load all on our own. If you're carrying it alone, it's not the cross. Even Jesus didn't carry his cross alone. If you are suffering quietly, the cross would ask you to lean on your community to let them share your burden. Now, most terribly, I have heard those words, that's my cross to bear, used to describe an ongoing situation of abuse from a spouse, a parent, or a coworker. This is bad theology with real consequences. We need better theology. We need to offer the world a better vision of the cross. The cross isn't about quiet suffering. Jesus asks no one to suffer alone. And Jesus asks no one to suffer in vain. Jesus asks no one to suffer alone And Jesus asks no one to suffer in vain. According to our faith, the cross is the location of transformation. Jesus' suffering changes our world. Christians believe that the cross has real power to change our circumstances, the cross has real power to heal, the cross has real power to save. Because with Christ, we do not suffer alone and we do not suffer in vain. So, saying that's just my cross to bear about abuse, it's incorrect. It's bad theology. It misunderstands who we are in the sight of God. Let me say this just in case there's someone who needs to hear these words God does not want you to stay quiet. Abuse is hardly ever isolated. Someone who abuses a romantic partner often repeats the pattern with the next partner, or, God forbid, with the children. A boss who abuses one staff member is likely to repeat the behavior with another. If there is a cross to bear in these situations, it's this. Take courage, get out, get help, report the abuse. It's difficult, it's hard, but reporting the abuse can be awful. Telling the story again and again, it can be re-traumatizing, but telling the story, that may, it may indeed be the cross you have to bear. Because telling the story has the power to stop the pattern. Making the report holds out the possibility that the abuser could be stopped. Telling the story might bring an end to the suffering. Maybe not on its own, but maybe when it's added to the other stories, it can end suffering. By this same understanding, likewise, your family's homophobia, your addiction, your lack of self-esteem, these are not your crosses to bear. They're not. It doesn't work out theologically. Because in Christian theology, crosses liberate. The power of the cross is precisely that an instrument of torture, an instrument of death, brings salvation, brings hope, brings health, brings life to the world. The work of taking up your cross, it's about setting captives free. Bearing your cross isn't about quiet suffering. The cross is always about liberation. Sometimes crosses are personal. They're about the dynamics of a family or a workplace. And sometimes crosses are about speaking an unpopular truth so that a local injustice can be stopped, so that a home or an office can be transformed. And sometimes that work of transformation is personal. And sometimes the work is societal. I know many of you, like me, are struggling with what to do these days. More than a dozen children have been murdered in St. Louis since the beginning of the year victims of a gun-violence emergency. Our governor refuses to call a special session of the Missouri House and Senate to deal with gun violence, though he will hold a special session to address nuances in sales taxes for cars. The governor's party refuses to entertain the mayor of St. Louis's proposal that cities be allowed to establish their own gun laws. and Familiar political lines are being drawn in the sand. But the real frustration is inaction. No one seems to have a plan to stop the killing. No one, not the mayor, not the governor, not the city or county council, has a plan to improve the relationship between the police and the community so that at least some of these murders might might result in prosecution. The mayor of St. Louis has resorted to asking her wealthy campaign donors to bribe city residents into talking with the police. This tactic of offering a bribe to folks who come forward with information, it's not been received well in the black community. The trust in law enforcement officials remains abysmally low. So where do we begin? I keep asking myself that question about these murdered kids, about the gun violence epidemic in our city. Where do we begin? No one seems to have a winning strategy. No one seems to have a solution that could really transform the situation. Where do we begin? And Today, I want to suggest that we begin by doing something radical, something that this difficult text asks of us, that we take up the cross, that we take up the work of the cross. I want to suggest that we help the families of the slain kids know what the cross teaches us, that we do not suffer alone, and we will not let their suffering be in vain. I want to propose that we take up this particular cross, that we continue to work, to build relationships, to advocate, to march, to call our representatives, that we say, do something, do something, that we demand leadership until a change is made, until kids stop dying. Jesus does not abandon the suffering. This is true personally, and it's true on a societal level. Jesus makes the very location of God's salvation, God's defining action, to be a hill outside the city gate, among those the society calls criminals and outcasts. Jesus shows us a God who counts the suffering, who counts the poor, who counts those that society counts out. The cross is a sign of God's commitment to walk with those who suffer, to stand with those who are persecuted, to transform the suffering world. When Jesus says, take up your cross, he invites his followers to stand with those the world crucifies. The work of discipleship, then, is a decision. It's a decision to take up the cross, to go and to walk with the suffering and to work until the suffering is transformed. The work of discipleship is the work of not forgetting, of not allowing the new cycle to move on. The work of discipleship means staying restless, giving up comfort, paying the cost to transform the most intractable injustices. Not easy stuff. The cross work is not easy work. And the next time this lesson comes up, I'll probably assign Lori. <laughs> At least she doesn't complain about tough readings yet. This is a difficult teaching from Jesus. But sometimes our difficult world requires difficult teaching. Taking up your cross, it's not easy work. The work of the cross can be painfully slow. If I've learned one practical thing in all my years of ministry, it's this. God's timeline doesn't often conform to mine. But if I've learned anything good about the theology of the cross, it's this. With Christ, no one suffers alone, and no one suffers in vain. No one suffers alone, and no one suffers in vain. If you choose to take up your cross, you will be in strange company but good company. If you choose to follow Christ, to take up your cross, you'll be standing with a wildly diverse band who believe the world can be reshaped by sacrificial love. Amen.